What's up, everybody? Welcome back. My name is Emily Schramm. I am your host of Meathead Hippie. I am a personal trainer, nutritional therapy practitioner, and serial entrepreneur. I just had a really fun event last night at Denver Startup Week talking about my story and just kind of laughing about how I am an accidental serial entrepreneur. So I wanted to kind of intro everything I do, and then we're going to get into this amazing podcast today about the Enneagram, which is the best personality test outside of what is your spirit animal. You are going to love it. So for me, a little bit about my background, if you are new, I started off as a personal trainer working at a Globo gym that moved to me finally launching a business in order to help pay the bills. This is in 2012, just sold t-shirts and started an online program accidentally because I was traveling to film some things in Thailand and I didn't have access to my clients, hence the the birth of the 21 day MFIT challenge. And it's a 21 day program that I was getting a lot of people, a lot of great feedback, videos a day, count points. It still exists. If you have not done one, it's 21 days for $21. You will learn more about your body in those 21 days than any other program that's out there. And this turned into strength programs, which turned into the MPAC, helping people get strong on the go. So it's my first product, a backpack that converts into a weight training bag. You can learn all about that at thempack.com. And this turned into, okay, I have my meathead stuff, but what about my hippie stuff? So I started a tea company to help with people with anxiety or adrenal issues. I created an herbal coffee that was amazing for me when I was trying to cut coffee and handle all my adrenal stuff. And I cried every day because I miss coffee and coffee is life. So the herbal coffee was the first and then the tummy tonic became a a hit in my Christmas presents to my family. And all of a sudden I was like, yep, this has to happen. So we have six blends, hormone balance, anxiety release, tummy tonic, golden sunrise, Victress, which is in partnership with Girls Inc. of Metro Denver. Um, And it's just been so, so, so fun to have teas because teas are meant to slow you down. They're medicinal and they help you heal. And so it's been a, um, interesting switch because quite literally the way I operate is go, 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 go. And so it's been an amazing addition to my own, my own portfolio, I guess, because it's so opposite of what I believe in. It's like, it's exactly what we need, but it's so hard to do. And so I'm just really grateful for that side. I'm always reminded that nature has everything we need. And then I have the Body Awareness Project. So if you've heard me talk about this, there's been snippets in many of my podcasts. It's an educational course plus box of essentials. And our our most recent and what I think is the best one, um, period, not just the best project, but like program for adrenals, adrenal repair. And you can learn all about it at thebodyawarenessproject.com. I'm actually speaking on biohacking the entrepreneur with this in mind. So teaching people, we know we're go, 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 go. So how do we biohack our body to increase productivity? How do we sleep better? How do we function better? How do we take care of ourselves so that we can keep creating as creative entrepreneurs or as busy moms. When you stop seeing results, it is there's nothing more frustrating than that. So we really look into adrenal health. And last but not least, the most exciting part, I'm almost done. <laughs> um, I know it's ridiculous, but I you will find out I'm an Enneagram 7. And this just, it's, it was all over the place. I had four things, mostly all online, and I just needed a home base. And so as of Saturday, we opened up Platform Strength. If you were at the grand opening, oh my God, thank you so much for coming and hugging me and being a part of that magical day. It was just better than I could have ever imagined. And it wouldn't have been possible without some incredible people and incredible sponsors. I mean, we had everybody here. So if you are new to this gym, it is a hybrid gym. It's a mix between the functional fitness of squats, deadlifts, presses, pulls, um, learning how to get strong in those moves that are so foundational and so, so important for our body to learn how to do correctly to prevent injury at any age. But we also get to combine it with um, a little bit of individualization. So every class, you get to pick your path. So you can do some burn, which is more cardio. You can do some athlete, which is more Olympic lifting and hip extension. And then you can also do build, which is our bodybuilding circuit. And I am so in love with it. Please come by and try a class. We are at 32nd and Blake, and I can't wait to have you. Boom. Okay, here we go. 
This is Holly Hewer talking about the Enneagram. Thank you for listening. As always, I love every single time I see on your stories, when you're listening to it, when you share a favorite quote, um, keep tabbing, tagging me, keep hashtagging Meathead Hippie, uh, share with your friends. It's the best review that I can get. And I think you guys are all incredible. Enjoy your day. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate Meathead Hippie. Welcome to the show. Holly Hewer, welcome to Meathead Hippie. I am so happy that you're on. We've had so many questions about the Enneagram and you are the person to talk to about this. So thank you for making time today to talk with us. It is my pleasure. I love talking about the Enneagram anytime, any place. <laughs> I love it. So you are the owner of growwithenneagram.com. And that is truly, I think, what happens when people discover the Enneagram. There is no choice but growth. And that's why I love yeah. it so much. Um, how did you get into yeah. this? Um, I, I think it's always been kind of in the water in terms of you know, I'm a minister and churches have been offering it. And it, it was kind of um, in the background for, um, you know, some decades. But I took a class early on. Um, I thought I was one type and kind of worked on that. But I was intrigued by it. I love typologies. Um, and I love knowing about myself. Um, so as I was working on my uh, doctorate uh, in ministry, um, I stumbled upon it again and worked on it a little bit more. And then when I took a sabbatical um, about 10 years ago, uh, I focused exclusively on the Enneagram and did not realize at that time that it would be m the most profound path to growth that I'd ever experienced in my life. Mm, I love it. And I, um, this is just so fun for me because the reason I know you and why we were introduced is because of your daughter. <laughs> yes. so cool. we, we worked at Starbucks in 2010 in Keystone, Colorado together. And so a huge shout out to her for introducing us and helping organize us. Cause I just, she texted me as soon as she heard me talk about the Enneagram, she said, Oh my God, you have to talk to my mom. This is her jam. I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> so I love your daughter. This is so cool. Um, so let's talk about, I think the questions I get, and this is why I wanted so badly to bring an Enneagram expert on because it's kind of this, you know, what's the best quiz to take? I've heard sometimes you shouldn't take a quiz. It's good to work with an expert to kind of figure out what you are. What do you say for somebody that's brand new to the Enneagram? Maybe an explanation of what it is and then how they can help figure out what their type is. Yeah. And uh, I, first of all, I just want to say this, Emily. Um, the typing process is really part of the discovery. Mm. So you're not trying to find my type, like then I can start working. Actually, finding your type is part of the work. Mm. And so it is, this is a journey and finding your type is, a, is on that journey continuum. Um, it's a critical part of it, but it is, it, it, it doesn't happen automatically for most people. Now, for some people, um, they hear about the types and they instantly recognize who they are. Um, that's not the norm. My experience is that people vacillate, they have difficulty and they struggle with it a little bit. So a lot of different ways to work with that. Um, you can certainly do online tests. Uh, Enneagraminstitute.com has, uh, you pay 10 or $12, and they have um, uh, a nice test. Um, Enneagramworldwide.com also has a really nice test that you pay some money for. Uh, there are others, I think it's nine types. Uh, dot com. I, I'm not. I'm not looking at my resource yeah, list. That sounds right. Um, yeah. Um, 
What I mean to say is there's a lot of material on the Enneagram online that's easily accessible. But the best, the best path really is a teacher or to learn it from a class. Uh, I work, uh, I offer spiritual direction and Enneagram coaching out of the People House uh, in Denver. And the People House uh, it's peoplehouse.com has um, wonderful ongoing classes. Two teachers there are just wonderful, and they do excellent uh, classes. That is always the best way is to talk to real people who know the Enneagram and are getting to know you mm-hmm. so that they can help find your map, your match. I love it. It was if someone's brand new to the Enneagram, and I know you're just gonna nail this, like there's no way I could explain the Enneagram in the way that you're about to, because this is I love the way you speak about I can just tell that you're I just wanna hug you. <laughs> so this is fun. <laughs> so for the Enneagram, if someone if someone was to say, I have no idea what that is, um, what was your what would be your answer to them? Mm. Well, um, it is the marriage between the kind of the search for what is true in reality and kind of the depth of who we are and why we're here, married with um, the discoveries of depth psychology. So it's ancient in that we've always been searching for the meaning of life, right? I mean, it's always been a part of whether it's a spiritual search or a religious search or just a a quest um, that is part of the human spirit to know themselves and to understand themselves. But then what happened was those people who had done all that kind of work um, for millennia, um, what happened was once Freud and Jung began to unpack this this human being psychologically, then we were able to map um, what was an esoteric kind of uh, quest onto real life human beings. And then it took the shape of these nine types um, that became then a typology. It was it was um, communicated um, for a long time by just verbally, meaning if you understood it, then you transmitted, and that's the way that spiritual people talk about you know getting it <laughs> right is a transmission, um, and it was a transmission that was kept private among those who were really true seekers. But the information was so powerful. It was so explosively relevant. It was so innately true that people had to write it down. And so as soon as they wrote it down, there was a little brouhaha, of course, about about, um, making it um, kind of selling out, you know, as it were. really uh, giving it away too easily to people. But the trade-off has been phenomenal because what I've discovered is people are really, really hungry to understand who they are, why they do what they do, why are they feeling so limited, why are they feeling so stuck, and why doesn't everybody see the world the way I do? And when there is a tool that is so accessible, and so welcoming, um, it has invited a deeper search for many who, like you say, you know, got so excited about now I understand myself and I'm not ashamed of myself and I'm mm-hmm. able to grow and to use a tool that can actually help me to grow up and to be a mature person. Well, it's, it speaks for itself that it has become, um, it, it's come at the right time into this and that's the right time into this world I think that needs it so much. I love that you said the more accessible it is, basically it's so easy because this happens in every industry, you know, and so there's the truth seekers and how 
how pure something is. And no matter what, I think this is just an important point that I've seen in my industry of fitness and nutrition is no matter what, there's going to be somebody that lessens its value, you know, in some degree and when it becomes more mainstream. I just thought that was interesting that no matter what, it always happens. <laughs> um, yeah, it does. It always happens. <laughs> yeah. But it's really yeah. wonderful that you're doing the work you're doing in the way that you're doing it. Um, I think that the thing I am so passionate about when it comes to the Enneagram is how it's tiered. So there's nine types, um, you know, in some way, there's a type and then a wing. And that's one question I kept getting a lot was, what does, what does that mean, a wing? Okay. Um, <clears throat> there, the, the basic orientation uh, in terms of learning the Enneagram is, of course, to find your type. Um, but what happens when we find our type is, and, we've been, and we read about or look at all the other types, we realize that we can feel a little bit of ourselves in all the types. And so that can be challenging to find your, uh, your really root orientation. What is, the, what is the one place that, that you're really pretty fixated um, often? Um, and what is the orientation that you, how, how do you see the world um, is, the, is the, the way we talk about it. But what happens then is as you look at the Enneagram figure, and we're not looking at one, but if you just imagine a circle with nine points on it, and you imagine a triangle um, with three points on it, and then you imagine um, that there are two points on each side of those points at the triangles, um, what we're looking at then is types are are next to each other, meaning if you're a type nine at the top of the Enneagram um, figure, you are, you, on the, if, if you move in the circle, you, you're, you would touch eight or you would touch a one. So in my particular school, we talk about having one wing. So if you imagine the color wheel, um, you know, a nine is a, let's say it's blue and, and, the, and the eight is yellow and the one is red. And what we're looking at then is kind of a blending of the colors. Mm. And that's sort of how it feels. We have a basic, if you were a nine, for example, you would have a basic orientation to the nine as a, as a peacemaker, um, easygoing, um, able to be uh, comfortable and seeking peace in the world. But you're also going to be flavored by either the eight, which is the challenger, which has the strength and kind of dynamism of reality, or the one, which is the one that kind of sees what is right and good and seeks to, to find that in themselves and others. So you're going to be influenced. It's kind of like, you know, you're a Coke, but you might be a cherry Coke <laughs> or a lemon lime Coke. Right? I love that. You're, yeah. done, you're going to be a type, but you're going to have a strong flavor. I mean, maybe not always strong flavor, maybe a lighter flavor, but you're going to be flavored by the type, right? Yeah, that's perfect. Does that help? Totally. Yeah, yeah that's great. And other... I have seen sometimes people, because if they take an online quiz, they would be like, it, um, let's say, for example, a type five, but a wing nine. So, but that's not the true philosophy of Enneagram, correct? It, right. It's right. too far out. You would either, you'd be a five with a four wing or a five with a six wing. Perfect. Okay. That now, makes- now, fives and nines are both withdrawn types. So they have some relationship because they're part of the withdrawn. There's triads all over the Enneagram. So there's some similarities that are important to see and recognize, but they're distinct different ways um, that they are withdrawn, for example. Mm. Um, So you might feel some kinship toward another type, and there'll be reasons that you feel such a kinship. Mm. 
I love this. And I was thinking what, um, well, I'm just curious what type you are. <laughs> well, when you said you were so excited about finding out that you were a seven, I'm also a seven. Yay! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then um, I was thinking what would be really cool for everybody is just so that, you know, everyone's heard me talk about it. I've had a lot of people take the quiz. I just thought it would be cool to kind of go through each type and kind of do a brief summary of what their strengths are and what some of those like you know, when they're out of balance, kind of things to look for. Um, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on each one, but I thought that would be really helpful for everyone that's already taken some, sure. they already have some kind of idea of where to go. Just because I love, sure. I love when I hear things about the seven, because every time a light bulb goes off, you know, I get the Enneagram, right. thought, I get that thought of the day that gets sent right, to Right, right. <laughs> it's like, it's so right. fun. So um, I would love to start with that. Just kind of, um, let's okay. start with, I guess okay. let's start with the sevens, because that's who we are. Okay. Um, let's start with the seven then. Um, sevens are in the, the um, head triad, five, six, and seven. Um, and so I'll kind of start with the, I, I usually start with eight, but we can start with no, no, seven no, start with that's where we I are. Want, I want you to do, I want you to do it your way. Your way okay. is obviously okay. the way. Okay. So okay. Let's start with eight. Okay. Well, <laughs> I usually start with the body types, eight, nine, and one, um, because those are the gut types. So there's a brain in our gut, a brain in our heart, and a brain in our head. And each one is oriented toward a kind of a different brain, a different center of, of experiencing ourselves. So, you know, I mean, I know you talk about the gut and the core. and I mean, I'm sure you talk about all that kind of language mm -hmm. um, yep. when you're doing body, body work. So we're talking about the body center and body work. So when we talk about the eight, we usually start with the eight because it is often the strongest type um, uh, as we see them in the Enneagram. But they're powerful, strong. Um, they are... Um, uh, great leaders. Um, they're reliable. Uh, they speak their mind. They don't mind conflict. Um, they are uh, charismatic and they are drawn to big ideas, big picture, um, moving out into the world uh, in, a, in a big way. And they like to have an impact on their environment and they like to be in control. So that's where they kind of get into a little bit of trouble because, because they are big and powerful and strong um, and empowering, they can be a little bit on the controlling side, right? They can be a little too bossy, a little too dominating, uh, a little too hard driving. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the balance is the beauty. There's always the beautiful qualities and there are always those ways in which we get into a little bit of trouble <laughs> by pushing and using our ego too hard, mm. pushing too much, only using our ego instead of using all these other gifts that are part of who we really are. Um, when we when we relax our ego a little bit, <laughs> maybe Does that I'm makes eight. sense. Yeah, maybe I'm eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking you might be a seven with an eight wing or an eight with a seven wing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. I, um, the nine is um, it, it deals differently with the body. So we're back in the body type with the nine, but with the nine, um, there is a kind of a that they they don't want to be big and so they're going to be behind the scenes they're going to be low maintenance they're going to be um kind of the, the support for others they're going to be easygoing and relaxed they love to feel peaceful while the eight wants to feel powerful the nine wants to feel peaceful and they don't want to cause any trouble or flap they don't want to get um into conflicts with people so, because they don't want to get into conflicts, what happens when they get into trouble is they can be, they can little, they can disappear a little bit. Um, they can kind of shut down. They could be a little too withdrawn. They can not show up in their lives. And they can be, they can be, when you push a knife too far, pretty stubborn and even passive aggressive. So that's kind of what happens with a nine as they um, move from the high side 
um, into the places where they get into a little trouble. Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this clear? Should I go faster? No, How are we this doing? Is, this is so perfect. I love it. I'm taking okay. all the notes and this is, a, okay. keep doing it. You're doing okay. awesome. Okay. <laughs> all right. So we're, we're still in the body type with the one. So we're looking at, at the eight, nine, one at the top of the Enneagram circle. And they're also in the body type. And they're, um, the issues with the body type is conflict. And, 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 and me and you and the other and how that relationship happens. So with the eight, they feel the conflict and there they can, they can press their, their will or their desire for justice in the world. The nine is going to more disappear uh, in order to not feel the conflict. The one feels the conflict between what you want to do or politically, you know, we're looking at conflict all over the map, right? And there's always conflict. The ways that ones kind of specialize their strategy for dealing with it is to find what's right and they don't have to look for it they feel what's right in their belly center (laughs) and they are objective and responsible and wise they seem to always know what is the right thing to do they can be serious uh, but they're very um, sensible um, and the way that they kind of work in the world is they are improving the world. They're improving others and they're improving themselves. So you're going to see them in your classes, right? Because they want to, they want to do better um, uh, in terms of their lives. But in this, in this, in this desire to be better, there's always a little, and this is where they can get into trouble. There's always a little critical edge they can be too critical of themselves or others. They can be too judgmental. Um, and they can see what's wrong, right, in the world. And that can give them a little bit of a negative um, uh, orientation. Um, and they can be a little rigid um, because they are so clear about what's right. Mm. Yeah. How does that no, that's you getting great. That? Yeah, totally. My mom is a, I think my mom might be a very balanced one. Mm-hmm. She sounds mm-hmm. like a one, just very like, I don't know, like Mother Teresa almost, you know? Huh. Uh-huh. That's like, like knows what, like knows what the right thing is to do and really wants to help everybody else find the right thing. Yeah. 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 And just so self, yeah. self-giving and always, always, um, herself first in a way. Uh-huh. Hmm. I uh-huh. Love it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to go to the heart center with two, three, four. So that's um on the as we're moving around the circle, kind of uh clockwise around the circle. Um the two is called the helper in in some circles. Um they are the most relational. So we're talking about now the heart center, right? Um, and there is a sense of wanting to connect with people, wanting to feel accepted, wanting to feel like they are valued by other people. So it has a quality of relational quality. The two um, is probably the most relational, the most interpersonal of all the types. Um, they're quite nurturing personally. They're attentive and supportive and helpful and thoughtful. And they're, you know, they remember your birthday. They're the quickest to respond in email. Oh, thank you so much. And they have a lot of emojis, you know, to, oh, this. Um, so there's a there's a emotive kind of quality um, about twos. Um, they can be very affectionate. Um, they want to be close to people, and they want to express their feelings. So they can be very um, um, uh, giving you a lot of positive kudos, right? Um, and so they can get into trouble by being a little too um, codependent. They can be uh, people pleasing. They can get into a little bit of trouble when they are too flattering, right? Always having to say nice things uh, about the other, um, and, and they can become a little possessive. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can and they can be a little upset if you don't appreciate how much they have um, shared and given, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a feel for that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. There's lots of twos in my life. 
mm-hmm. and we love that they give us so much. So much. But, yeah. we, but we always feel like we kind of owe them a little bit because we've because we've gotten so much um, from them. Um, threes uh, are also in the heart center. Um, there is a sense in which they want to connect and want to relate to others, but they do it. Their strategy for getting close and getting value from others and feeling like they are worthwhile is quite different. The way that they do it, and they can, they, one of the names is the achiever. Um, they want to be a success in your eyes. Mm. So they are competent and charming and successful and confident and they go for goals they love when you give them a goal right and they want to achieve it okay (laughs) and they can be they are amazing because they are realizing in their own experience their fullest potential to be to be the best that they can be and to be admired and then to kind of impress others, right? Um, But what they want most is to be affirmed. And the way that they want to be affirmed is through their their performance, Mm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. So what they can, how they get into trouble is they are so focused on the goal that they can be a little emotionally detached. Um, they can be competitive. They can be competitive even in intimate moments. Um, and they can, they can promote themselves. They can be a little overworking, right? Mm-hmm. They're the most workaholic, um, uh, uh, on the Enneagram, but being constantly active that everything has a purpose. Um, they don't have a lot of downtime, mm-hmm. a lot of relaxed time. Yeah. 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 That sounds. Can you get a feel for that? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. I think Bradford. I will have to confirm this when you tell me about the four, but I'm fairly certain Bradford is a three wing two. That's I think. Okay. That's what he is, but we will find. I don't know anything about the four. But how does it feel right now for you to kind of make those connections? So good. What is that like for you? I love it because yeah. It's just this amazing feeling of, you know, I'm, as you talk, I'm like, oh, that's, that's my sister, Michelle. And Michelle's an eight. Yeah. And then my mom, like a one and my mom's boyfriend, a nine. And just, it's just so nice because it feels like no matter what, if there is any conflict between any of us, there's no way, there's always a way around it when you understand where the other person is coming from and how they see the world. Yes. That's yes. so amazing. Bingo. That's it. That's it. And, and we begin to, once we learn it more, we begin to really appreciate that there are nines and ones in the world, that there are threes and sevens and eights, that there are so many ways in which we can see reality and how much, how rich the world is because of the beauty of each type. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's what's what's really fun. And the light bulb for me was, um, you know, kind of in relationships. So I'm a seven and Bradford's a three, which, you know, if we're out of balance, that can be super intense. And I just remember it, the light bulb started to go off for both of us when we learned more about this, because we would, in the middle of our arguments or debates, it was, we finally were able to say, well, you know, I'm a seven and this is why I'm doing this. And he would say, I'm a three and this, and it would just come up and come up. And it was, it was the best thing for our relationship period. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And to say to the listeners, you know, even if, if your partner doesn't know their type, even if you kind of have figured them out in some kind of way, even that can help, you know, knowing it about my children, about my daughters, my daughters-in-law, my stepchildren, my grandchildren, my friends, it just gives me such a tenderness for all of them. I love it. Yes, Yes, this is so wonderful. Thank you, Holly. (laughs) So, yes. So the four um, is, again, still in the heart center. So they're attending to the connection with others and relationship with others. Um, And for fours, they want to feel the value and the love of others, but they are most in touch with that 
that disconnection, that something's missing, that I'm a little different from everyone else. And so because of this sense that I'm not like everyone else, um, there is a, there is, and, and this sense of, of even kind of a, because we've all been hurt, right? We've all been hurt and wounded. And fours get it. Fours really understand the depth of those places mm. of tenderness in our soul. And so out of that, they're the most self-aware, the most honest emotionally. They are creative because they are expressing this kind of unique orientation to the world they're quite sensitive they're intuitive they can be kind of elegant people they're very subtle um and and because they are um they stay more in the background because they are most in touch with their inner lives right yeah. So what happens that can get them into trouble is because they're really in touch with their inner lives, they can be a little moody, right? <laughs> they can be a little hypersensitive. They can be too withdrawn. They can be too self-absorbed, right? Mm -hmm. And so they can pull so much from their emotions that they aren't able to be um uh, as easily connected with others and can't feel like they're just part of the human race, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and so they, they have that kind of unique, sensitive, um, and they want to feel unique. Um, and so that's their orientation. So twos want to feel connected. Threes want to feel outstanding. <laughs> and fours want to feel unique. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what's that's going perfect. on is driving it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. So now we're to the head center, <laughs> our center. <laughs> that row. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is, um, uh, it's not, of course, that everybody, uh, that, that only some people are in their belly and some are in their heart and some are in their head. It's that this is kind of where we fixate our energy. This is where we overdo ourselves, which is what the Enneagram is all about, is helping us to see where we overdo things mm. and, 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 and use our ego instead of using more of the fullness of who we are, as I've said before. Mm. So what happens to the fives is, you know, there is, there is a sense in which when there's you and there's me and there's, you know, there's, um, there's separation, there can be a sense of kind of anxiety about, am I safe in this world? And in some ways, that's what is kind of underneath um, the five, six, and seven triad is this sense of, of, I don't know if I'm really safe in this world. So each one, five, six, and seven, have a strategy for coping with this vulnerability in being a human being, right? I mean, we're yeah. all vulnerable. This is this isn't we're we're not everything isn't gonna go beautifully. Um and so each one has a particular strategy for feeling safe in the world. So the five goes into their heads because it is really safe. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about things in my head. So fives are the investigator. Mm. And they are the ones that are detached from the world, but they are in their head. And so they're observing the world and they can see, you know, all kinds of things that are happening in the world. Um, and so they're, they're detached and, and self-contained, but they're infinitely curious about the world. Mm. But they often have a special area um, that they have focused on. They become the expert. Um, in that particular thing, but they're never really bored because there's always more to observe and to see. Now, they can be uh, whimsical uh, about those kind of explorations, but they're and, and unusual because they focus oftentimes on very curious things that they want to focus on. Um, but that's their that's their their orientation is looking and analyzing kind of a Sherlock Holmes with his um, magnifying glass, up, right? Yep. Um, how they get into trouble, though, is they can be too detached mm. and withdrawn and they're intellectually detached. 
And they can withhold their information. They can know a lot. They may not share it. And they can be very preoccupied in their heads. And so not very socially engaging often. Um, And they can be a little uncompromising um, and even a little cynical, right? But they want to feel detached. They want to feel that so that they can see what's really happening in the world. I love that. Yeah. Is that clear? Yeah. yeah very yeah. much so. So these are like the, um, when you said the expert in one thing, because those people really fascinate me, how they like, cons- they're all consumed with that thing, you know, and it could be usually when I'm watching like National Geographic or I'm watching something on Exactly. TV. Oh my God, these people are so passionate about this thing. Like, I, I envy them. I know. You know? <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, I right. I mean, it can be the Albert Einstein, um, right? But it's also like George O'Keefe, you know, Jane yeah. Goodall, Jane Goodall, who spent uh, all yeah. of her decades with those eggs. Yeah. You know, how could anybody stay focused that long on one thing? <laughs> and, and it's the most important work, you know, it's like those yeah. progress yeah. our country. That's so cool. I love it. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Cool. Exactly. So the six also in the head center, the primary type in the head center, because it's at the point of the triangle. Um, and they feel this lack of safety and, and security the most of all the types. Mm. Um, and so the way that they are going to strategize to feel safe in the world is they're going to look for the danger out there, right? <laughs> they're going to, I mean, you know, they're the ones who are tracking that hurricane, tracking those floods. They're the ones who want to know ahead of time so that they can feel safe, right? Mm, so yeah. there is a, they're kind of the ones that are the troubleshooters. Um, they're the ones who um, are the whistleblowers too. Oh, that's, uh, that's in trouble. So that's kind of a quality of the way in which they recognize danger. Another way that they, they feel safe in the world is to, is to be loyal to people and groups and family and friends and spouses. They are the most, and they're called the loyalist. They're also called the loyal skeptic mm. because they are intensely loyal, both to their friends and their family. They are devoted to their work um, and incredibly good, dedicated team players. Um, they're hard workers, um, but they also, because they are a little bit skeptical uh, about what they're loyal to, um, they can have a kind of a humorous side um, and a wonderful um, sense of humor. They can be a little playful about this this terror that they've got about yeah. the world, right? <laughs> and they can turn it into comedy, which is, um, you know, an Ellen DeGeneres who can turn it uh, into a, a lucrative kind of uh, way of being in the world. Mm-hmm. But in the way in which they get into trouble, they can be really anxious, mm-hmm. really indecisive because they see so many options and they're not really sure of themselves. Um, and they can want to seek reassurance, right, from yeah. others. And so they're always doubting the relationship or doubting that they're doing okay. They're always doubting. You know, you probably have clients who say, you know, I don't know if this is the right thing to me to be doing. Why is it the right thing? Always kind of questioning things and maybe complaining about things and being a little mistrustful. Yeah. Mm. Can you get a feel for that? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are at the seven. Yee-haw. <laughs> um, cheers. So we are cheers. Clean. <laughs> As my granddaughter says. Clean. Clean. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, we are in the head type. Um, but there is a sense in which though anxiety and insecurity is the the driver of our type, we're the least in touch with our fear. Because we can imagine, and this is what our minds are so good for, right? They're future oriented, and we can imagine new adventures on the horizon. 
So you and I can both imagine what we're going to do when we finish the podcast, right? We can imagine what's going to be the rest of the day. What's going to be the week? What is it that's going to be kind of a fun, happy, exciting thing yet to come? And there's lots of options. Lots of possibilities, new ideas. So for sevens, there's a quickness, there's an outgoingness, there's an eagerness, there's a lot of energy. Sevens can put unusual ideas together so they can put the Enneagram into, you know, a whole different business, (laughs) a whole business world and be able to make sense of all that for people very quickly because there's a quickness of spontaneity um, an ability to um, get get it quickly so often sevens will and then you know one day and they teach it the next um, because there's a sense of being so uh, thoughtful um, with ideas and with their own minds So the way that sevens get into trouble, because we do, like all types, get into trouble is there's so many ideas that we become too scattered. Mm. And so we don't focus our attention on one thing. We've got too many um, dishes on the stove, too many, too many things happening. And there can be, as as I have uh, demonstrated, there can be an overly talkative quality uh, about sevens, a kind of a hyperactive quality uh, about sevens, a little bit excessive, right? <laughs> and overextended, right? Yeah. I do and because I, we're... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to no, say, go I'm, I am totally excessive sometimes. I'm just like, oh my yes. God, stop talking. Yes. Just sit down. I know. I know. And what happens because we're so enthusiastic and so just excited about our own ideas, right? Just excited about ourselves that we can be a little insensitive to others. Mm -hmm. We can talk over people Mm. and we can be, even in our enthusiasm, a little demanding that others see, you know, I mean, I was driving around with Freya, our granddaughter, um, and looking at the colors up up in Fair Play. They're up in Fair Play, you know, mm-hmm. now. And I said, oh, Freya, look at all the colors. Look at the trees. Well, you know, there's a sense of excitement that then over can be overpowering to others. And so that's where we need to be awake and aware of ourselves. So that's a whirl. That's a whirl through it. You did so good. This is so great. Um, so my question, let's end here. And then I want to just tell people where to find you and how to connect with you. So okay. that was a perfect description of each one. I know every single person is going to take away something from this. So that was beautiful. So when at the end of each one, we, you say, when we are in trouble, we go here. And so what is the best step into like, all right, when I, I'm like, yep, oh, that's definitely me when I'm getting into trouble, like those negative qualities that can come out in our out-of-balanceness. Um, what's the yes, best step yeah. to, to getting that to not happen or to, I guess, awareness, of course, but then what's that following step after awareness? Well, the awareness can be uh, tremendous, but let me, let me say what happens, Emily, is we don't want to see it. Hmm. And so there's a lot of resistance to seeing it in our lives. And I find that I need support in terms of a teacher, in terms of a spiritual director, in terms of a group that will help hold me accountable so that I continue to develop and deepen both my awareness and in learning to take the steps. So, for example, whether it's meditation practice or a, or a body practice, you know, a physical body practice or, you know, practice getting out into the world, you know, for a five, you know, engaging with the world. Those kind of practices take the encouragement um, and, and support from others. So I'm available. I'm spiritual director in private practice, Holly Hewer at... Decentral.com is uh, my email address, but the website grow with Enneagram.com. And if I'm not able to do it, I can, I can point people to good directions um, 
uh, of, of classes and support. But we need support to do this work. Yeah. You cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. What is the type that is the most likely to think that they can do it alone? <laughs> Probably the five. The five. Probably the five. <laughs> I've noticed. Yeah. I'm like, I wonder what people are like when you see people that are really reluctant to asking for help or like, it's just admitting to it. I'm always curious if that's just all of our egos. Or yeah. Specific well, type. it is. It is, um, but it's a great question, Emily, because I do notice eights don't tend to um, come to classes and 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 come for help. They're so in the world, they're so engaged in in making the difference um, that this that this more introspective look. It's really hard for eights. Um, it seems so counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. And I have a, a new um, a person in my practice who's an eight, and and we're just uh, we're just unpacking so much of the beauty uh, of who he is. But it, he has said this is not comfortable for me. It is not. It is not intuitive for me to do this. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh. Yeah. Well, God, yeah. I couldn't only imagine working with you because you would just be the most patient boss in the world. So I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> be like, it's okay. You're a, you're a this. This is why. <laughs> um, this has been yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. Another huge shout out to your daughter for um, Tadeo, as I call her, for helping make this happen. And again, everyone, please go to growwithenneagram.com. I will link it all in the in the notes. And again, Holly, it has been such a pleasure. I always ask one question. It's kind of my version of the Enneagram, which is nowhere near as comprehensive as what you just went over. But I ask all my guests if they know their spirit animal. No, um, I don't. I wonder. Um, I should ask your daughter. I wonder if she knows. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is there is a connection to all the spirit animals for each any grand type. Is it really? Um, but you, uh huh, uh huh. There really are. Um, and and I and I could if I you know I could get that book on my shelf and I could secretly go over there and look and open it up and find it and be able to tell you the right answer. Um, what I mean to say is the way in which you ask that question. There is an arena. You know, if we look at anything you know what type of buildings do you like um it's going to say a lot about your type right um what do you identify with is such a beautiful question um and i guess you know i I don't think that i'm like a puppy dog but i think i have the enthusiasm probably of a little puppy dog yeah i love that (laughs) Like, like the dog on up I always think of that. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I can see that. Um, Well, again, Holly, thank you so much for your time. Uh, We're just honored to have you. I know this is going to be really helpful for so many people. And it was so good to finally have it all in one place. You know, I had been talking about it here and there. And to have you come on and do what you did is just perfect. So we really appreciate it. Well, I'm honored to be invited, Emily, and um, and grateful for this connection. Yay. Thank you, Holly. 